Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. You make food, then let us help you make money doing it. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook, or email us info at businesschef.org. Today's show is about manufacturing, something I think that everyone at some point has said, man, I would love to get a sauce or a dressing or a salsa or something on the store shelves and just have it sell. Just have it sell like gangbusters and I'll collect a check and things will be perfect. Well, from our interview today, you'll find that that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. In fact, it might be one of the hardest things to do, especially with as much competition as there is out there today. Uh, Joining us today is my good friend, Ricardo. Ricardo runs a food consulting group in New York, has done some major work for some major players, as you'll find out, and really knows the ins and outs of the manufacturing, co-packing, private labeling, you name it. Uh, He knows how to do it, and his firm is one of the top in the country as well as maybe even the world. So, without further ado, let's jump into our interview with him today and find out how we can be successful in manufacturing, how we can get our products to market, the steps that we need to take, the pitfalls we need to avoid, and as well as learning out a little bit about him, how he got started in this business. Um, my family was in the restaurant and food industry, both sides, my mother's side and my father's side. And uh, I actually started in, in restaurants as a kid. I was in and out of restaurants and, and uh, working, you know, like uh, with my father and my grandparents. And so I was always around food at that point. And um, as I got older, I just uh, knew there was the direction I was headed in. And then I started to uh, move up managing restaurants. Then I went to school. I thought I was going to come out of it. And I found myself back into it again. I had went to go work for IBM, and I realized that the corporate world wasn't for me, that I wanted to get back into food. So I did, and uh, I got into the restaurant industry. Then I got into the hotel industry, where I stood for 16 years as a corporate chef, with seven hotels under me and 3,200 cooks. We had about 18 restaurants and banquet facilities up to 25,000 in total with all the hotels. So it was a great experience, and that led me into manufacturing. I took a whole hotel floor, and I converted it into a manufacturing facility. So we saved a million dollars the first year. And that part triggered in my head, and I said, you know what? I I think it's time for me to get into the manufacturing world, and I did. And I joined uh, one manufacturing facility, and from there, I just kept going, going, and then finally, I opened up my own firm, and that's how I ended up here now. As amazing as that journey is and was, um, what are some of the things that the lessons that you learned, or things that really drove you to uh, stepping out of the day-to-day operations of a restaurant or hotel um, facility? to really get into what you're doing right now? Um, Explanation. The problem is is that a lot of people don't understand the manufacturing language. And I became one of the top five experts in the country. 
And if somebody needs to communicate effectively their products, there are major brands that can't even communicate effectively what they want with their product, how do they want a line extension, how to go to another manufacturer. They know that they succeeded where they are, but they don't know how to succeed elsewhere. And I realized that there was a need for that, for somebody who could literally sit there and say, okay, this is how this could be manufactured. Or if somebody's making a product line of 100,000 pieces a week and their volume goes up to a million, you know, how do you do that? How do you communicate that? Well, I knew that I, I had the tools to do that. And I knew that a lot of people couldn't do that. It's almost like a translator, you know. So I'm able to translate, for example, had you come to me and you're making sources under Sean's name and your, your sources are taking off and now you need a manufacturer. Well, sure, you can go to a manufacturer, but the manufacturer is going to brush you off. Okay, he's going to see that you don't know the terminology. He doesn't want to waste time. He doesn't want to waste hours speaking. When you come to somebody like me, I do all that work. I eliminate everything, find out what it is. When I call a manufacturer, it's somebody that we have a relationship with already. So it opens the door faster, okay, and we're able to communicate it more effectively. We work with a lot of chefs around the country. Them knowing that I'm a chef, you know, it helps the transition easier, you know. And um, But also with a lot of major corporations we work with that have a brand and they're doing a, a line extension of a brand, okay, and again, they don't know actually, you know, what, what, in which direction to go, in which direction to negotiate it, so they contact our firm. And that's what, we're the first company of its lights. There's no other company. We had a few copycats, but they haven't succeeded. So obviously you're working with everyone from the small business to the individual to even the large business. Who are some of your clients that we might know and, and be familiar with that you're doing work for right now? Yeah, so basically I have NDAs with, with certain clients, but I can tell you that some of my clients have been Starbucks, Pret Maget, Hale & Hardy, um, Walmart, uh, Sam's Club, just to name a few of the major brands, okay? And then we've done uh, work with uh, brands that are in between. Basically, we've worked in companies with 100000 in sales, up to a billion dollars in sale. Part of part of what we do also is we're on a retainer for six capital firms, and when those capital firms are, are thinking about making a food investment, or buying a food investment, or, or loaning money into another manufacturing facility, they call me. So they call me, and then I go through everything, and I let them know should they make the investment or should they not. So you act as a consultant in some ways, also. Yeah, I act as a consultant only for, um, um, you know, capital firms, basically. I do actually consulting on my end for the manufacturer. So, for instance, example, again, we're making Sean sauce, and I'm bringing it to a manufacturer. And let's say you have a certain type of lid. So the manufacturer says, my machine can't support that. But right off the back, I'll know what adjustments he needs to make to that machine. And I'll say, you know what, you can make this volume. I says, if you buy this bracket, if you buy this apparatus, you'll be able to put that lid on there. So I come with that, that manufacturing skill set point that helps the co-packer in the transition of the deal. So in opposed to just being somebody to find the co-packer, I actually assist the co-packer in the manufacturing aspect of it. So I hear you using these terms, manufacturer, co-packer, uh, private label. You know, I think a lot of people out there may not know the differences here. So what are the differences between co-packing, manufacturing, private label, et cetera? Well, you know, at one point there was different variations. They called it co-man, 
called packing, contract manufacturing, and basically the phonetics of it became co-packing, okay? But if you really, really want to go deep down inside, it's really considered contract manufacturing, okay? Which contract manufacturing means you're hiring a manufacturing facility, okay, by contract, okay, to produce your existing product line, okay? Then there's contract packaging, okay, where you hire a packaging manufacturer, okay, to package out your product. Basically, those two have been married, and that's why generally when you say co-packing, it involves everything all together, okay, uh, on that branch. Private label is a big business, okay, with a lot of the main brand stores, okay, and a lot of smaller people are, are doing it as well, where you're buying an existing product line from a manufacturer, but you're putting your own name on it. So if Sean wanted his own sauce, okay, but it's not his formulation. He'll have a choice of 30 sources from another manufacturer. The source that he chooses will be the source that Sean's name will go on. So that's private label. And then there's bulk food service as well, which is large uh, bulk uh, food service where you're dealing with, um, for example, the airlines, let's say, for instance, and where you're dealing with one million meals per week, okay? And that's a whole other part. That's in between. We call that, uh, uh, in, our, in our world, we call it a commissary manufacturing, okay, where you're actually creating daily fresh volumes. But, for instance, like 5,000 gallons of soup per day, you know, uh, 10,000 pounds of beef per day. And these are items that are actually going out within the next 20 hours or 15 hours, either to the airlines or the food service. So when someone comes to you and says, I would like to have this product co-packed or manufactured, what are the steps that they have to go through to actually get that happen? What's the one, two, three? Typically, we tell them to go to our website first, okay, and to review our website. We have a lot of information available at the website, which explains each area, explains everything. To first see if this is what they really want to do and if it's really along the lines of, of what we do, okay? Then the second thing is we typically deal with existing volume lines, okay? However, we do sit down and look at our entrepreneurial lines, okay, if we feel it's something that we could help them go into the next level, um, um, which we've had success in the past with some of those as well. So from your perspective, what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're trying to get a product to market uh, in in this arena, manufactured or co-packed, what's the biggest mistakes they make? They talk too much. So what happens is, is that they go in there and they start saying that, you know, Walmart wants their product and, and Costco wants their product and their product's going to be number one. The manufacturers hear that every day. They actually hear that from name brands as well. So that doesn't work, you know. The other thing is, is telling the manufacturer that you know. So if the manufacturer is explaining to your process and you keep saying, no, I know that, I know that it's if you know already, perhaps it wasn't a good idea for you to go into contract manufacturing. Perhaps it's a great idea for you to open your own facility. So I see that a lot from time to time. Um, I gave a lecture at the food show about it. You know, it's that, you know, if you don't understand the language, you know, you might as well get somebody to help you, okay, and or, you know, approach it cautiously. But most manufacturers don't like dealing with people who don't know manufacturing, okay, because they don't want to explain to you for three hours why you have to move this table over five feet. I like to use that for an example, but, you know, um, um, I think going prepared, having your recipe formulation and a manufacturing template, okay, having you, that you already tested it, you know, 
a lot of times they come unprepared, and you can't just make an item in a manufacturing facility without having lab work done, without having the correct uh, formulation spec'd out. So if I want to get a product manufactured, and maybe I have a recipe, but maybe not the specific formulation that they need for manufacturing, how do I go about that? Are there are there resources out there that I can tap into? What do you suggest for somebody who maybe doesn't have food experience or, or manufacturing experience? Sure. So if like that's not our area. So what will happen is if you if you want a, a source developed, okay, then you would go to an R and D uh, uh, manufacturer, okay, which they're out there R and D firms, okay, where they have chefs and everything that will help you develop the recipe. Now there are manufacturers out there who will help you develop a recipe, but they can be extremely expensive, okay, um, because those are the manufacturers that develop recipes for Kraft, Hein, Nabisco, you know, so, you know, you can luck out with some of them, okay. However, um, to develop it from scratch, you would definitely need, I always tell people, find somebody in your local town who's a retired chef, okay, who's working part-time, okay, and go in a test kitchen with them and develop the recipe. Gotcha. That's the best way to do it. Instead of spending thousands of dollars, you know, get with somebody who's real, somebody who's spent half of life in the kitchen, okay, come up with a formulation, you know, have an NDA drawn up, a non-disclosure agreement, okay, stating that they're making the recipe for you, okay, and that, you know, that's your recipe, and then, you know, you develop a formulation together, you have a finished product, and then you can go from there. At the same time, you can do your own testing. You can put 30 bottles in the refrigerator Every week, open one bottle, see where you're at to figure out. Maybe the shelf life's on it 40 days, 30 days. You could at least start getting some type of structure before you go and spend the money in doing laboratory work. So you bring up an interesting point there, though. If if I'm an aspiring culinarian, if I'm somebody who wants to maybe pursue this segment of the industry in my career, what do I need to do to prepare to do that? What are some steps I can take now in either schooling or experience or mentorship um, that, that will get me to that level? Well, you know, it's funny. You say culinary. We actually deal with one of the schools, and, and one of the deans who's also a master chef, him and I know each other a lot of years. So the thing is this, is that, you know, you got to find what you like. The restaurant industry has taken a huge turn the last 14 years, okay, and, you know, a lot of people are in and out of it, okay? And some people are realizing that, you know, that it's easier to get involved in manufacturing, okay? The thing is you have to like it, you know? Uh, manufacturing entails a lot of different the levels than if it's a restaurant, okay? And um, it could be very lucrative, uh, especially if you bring a, a know-how with food. That skill set could be very lucrative in manufacturing. And the manufacturing industry, the food manufacturing industry, has taken a huge turn in the last 20 years, okay? Before, it was mostly made up of laborers and laborers who moved up and, and people who moved up in different levels and some chefs. Now, more and more skilled chefs have gotten involved in manufacturing. So if I'm somebody who maybe wants to get out of the day-to-day -day kitchen, maybe I don't want to be on my feet or my... I'm getting carpal tunnel, my elbows hurt, my knees hurt, got to have back surgery, all the things that happens to chefs who spend all day, every day in the kitchen, on their feet, concrete floors, etc. Is it realistic to think that I can develop a product and actually step out of my nine to five? Well, we tip, every, anybody who sits at our table, we treat them the same. So we treat you whether it's a zero or whether it's a billion dollars. 
we treat you the same. Um, one of the one of the things is with entrepreneurs, and, and we deal with them. Like I said, we've had some success home runs with products. Is that there are I divide them in different groups. Okay, there is the group. Okay, that wants to do it as a as something that's been on their mind as a part time job. Okay, and it's something like they they'll do on a Saturday or Sunday or when they get time. Okay, and then they want to try to push it. Okay, then you have the person who can't stop thinking about it, that it affects them day and night. It affects them while they're at work. It affects them while they sleep. They can't get it out of their mind, okay? And, you know, that's that. then you have the part-timers, okay? You have the people that only uh, have a great idea, and they start getting it going, but you've got to understand that once a week they have to be in Florida, that, uh, you know, they have different schedules that more or less is not going to take the product to another level. It's just a hobby. The guy in the middle is the one who normally succeeds, okay, is the guy who just can't get it out of his mind. He or she is obsessed with it, you know, uh, who, who literally quit their job to do it, you know. I actually, you know, I actually quit my, my position as a, as a vice president of a company, and I also was offered a, a big job in craft, and I turned that all down to start my own company. It was the same thing. I started from scratch, you know. So I basically had to form my own company, and I had to make the sacrifice. You know, I didn't do it as a part-time job, you know. I stopped everything I was doing and dedicated 100% of my time to that. So with entrepreneurs, there's different levels. There's the people who are doing it, like I said, just for the mood, for part-time, and I run into that a lot, okay, a lot. So, um, you know, it's no reason why nobody can make their things. Why not? You know, that's beautiful. But you have to draw the line in the middle Who's really serious and who's not? We took, a, 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 without saying the brand, uh, I have an NDA with them, but we took an entrepreneur in 2014, okay, and nobody wanted to, to uh, uh, manufacture his line, okay? And I convinced a large company that was doing a job for me, okay? I kind of strung on them and said, look, you're doing that job. Why don't you take this job? And, you know, they were reluctant, but they did it, okay? It was only 5,000 pieces that could be done in 40 minutes with their machinery, well, that job now is worth $22 million. We went from 5,000 pieces that cost $300 to do to, as of this past uh, July, $22 million in sales. Wow. So, um, you know, yeah, there are those products that will hit, okay? And there are those products that we've been involved with that other companies have bought out, okay, where we actually assisted them to get into, like, uh, uh, you know, like brand names that we assisted them go to one level, and then all of a sudden people like Hershey, when the Bisco, you know, bought them out. So it's definitely great to know that there is hope. If I want to manufacture a product or I want to put something in a bottle and get it on the shelf, I, it's very encouraging for me as an entrepreneur to know that that is an option, especially with your help. Well, probably more importantly with your help. Um, but with that said, you know, I think that there's a lot of people that have ideas but just can't execute. You know, it's, it's, it's very true. It reminds me of a friend of mine who's actually a famous uh, director. And, and, you know, after he directs the film and then you meet up with him, right, and then he's, you know, what people don't realize is 90% of the people, the students or young filmmakers who uh, uh, get into this, okay, by the time it's time to start editing, okay, they give up. They actually burnt out. They give up. They don't know that they just started. They got to finish editing the film now, you know, and editing all the components. And uh, it happens, you know, it's, they, they give up. But I think that with food, everybody has a dream, 
And I think that everybody should, why not, you know, take an opportunity and live it, okay? The, dedic- the more you dedicate, the more the results you get, you know? That's how it should be looked at. Well, and definitely not just in manufacturing. And I think uh, regardless of what segment of the industry you're in or, or even what career choice you have, the more you dedicate, the more you work towards, the more you sacrifice, the more passionate you are about something, the more successful you're going to be in. But it takes time. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of sacrifice to get to where you want to be. There's a lot of things that I think a lot of us have had to do to get to where we're at that maybe we didn't want to do. But also there's a lot of things that we have to do on a daily basis to really stay where we're at. We can't just roll out of bed in the morning and expect things to happen for us. We have to be passionate. We have to be dedicated. We have to be willing to sacrifice. And, and one of the things that I learned, and I'm sure you learned too, you know, in the, the in the restaurant business and the food industry, you know, there's a lot of egos and there's a lot of people within the structure and and the chain of commands that always, uh, uh, you know, uh, have sometimes have ego. But the thing is, is that you know you can't. A lot of people kill the idea before even giving it a chance. So they overthink it too much. They'll ask the wrong people. You know, sometimes your own family and friends are your worst critics. You know. Um, so sometimes it's just best. Somebody will say, oh, what are you going to leave your beautiful job for that? You know, uh, basically, you know, a job you could always find. I learned that, okay? But an opportunity to do something, okay, and do something big, okay, you know, that comes at different spurts in your life, you know? So I think that being able to take a chance and not being afraid of what people say, and you, at the end, you have to convince you. You have to get you up, and you have to be in that kitchen you. So uh, nobody's going to do it for you. Amen to that. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, I know that I've definitely learned a few things through this. Uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and maybe possibly engage your services, what's the best way to do that? They can actually uh, contact us to our website, okay, uh, which is uh, uh, ricardofoodgroup.com, okay, www.ricardofoodgroup.com, okay, or they can call into our office directly, which is 212 461 2163. And, uh, but they should look at the website. There's a lot of information. When I had that website built, okay, I had an argument with the web people because they kept saying that I was building something with information instead of sales. I said, I don't want to sell anything. I want people to understand what they're getting involved in, okay? So when you look at my website, it's basically 90% of it is valuable information, okay? That has nothing to do whether I'm involved with it or not. Well, that that is a huge resource, and that is the best way to do things because at the end of the day, if you're providing value, if you're putting information out there that is helpful and timely and can, and can benefit people and educate them on the best ways to do things and the pitfalls to avoid, you're going to end up with a client that is more educated and better ready for your services, and uh, you're both going to be able to win together a lot sooner. So with all that said, we are incredibly grateful for Ricardo and his time. He is a busy man. He's got a lot of things going on, as you can tell. But he is taking the time out to educate, to empower, to give us the the knowledge that we need to be able to move forward, not only in our careers, but as a potential career change or side project or whatever we might want to do. Um, He's got some great, valuable info that 
he shared with us today. So we want to thank him for that and uh, look forward to have him on in the future. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org. This Business Chef podcast was brought to you by the Culinary Technology Fund. To find out more about how you can make a difference in the lives of culinarians as well as creating a more sustainable food service industry, email us, info at businesschef.org with Culinary Technology Fund in the subject line.